you would turn to the book of James, James chapter 4, James chapter 4, and then also uh, we're going to find ourselves in the book of Matthew. So let's first flip over to James chapter 4. Uh, we're going to start there, and then we're going to end up in the book of Matthew. So James is right after Hebrews, H-I-J, James chapter 4. And I'm going to continue a series today. We kind of started last week and just touched on briefly called The War Within, The War Within. And so let me read James chapter 4. If you have your Bible, if you have your uh, tablet or, or phone, however you find God's word this morning. We'll start in verse number one. It says this, where do wars and fights come from among you? That's a great question. It says this, do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not, what, ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So James is talking here in the first couple verses of chapter 4, and he says this. He says, where is fighting? Where's the strife coming from? Why is there so much strife and stress? And why is this, where is the struggle uh, for your life and the, the giving in the temptation and the, the, the falling short of, of what you know to do is right? Where is that coming from? He said, don't you know that there is a war that is taking place in your members, your flesh, the desires, your will, your emotions? It says there's a war that's taking place. That's where it's all coming from. These ungodly thoughts that you've entertained. He said, it's all coming from within inside you. And he says, and it's affecting the way you pray. He says, you ask incorrectly, you ask selfishly. So your flesh prays incorrectly. You pray for ridiculous stuff. You pray to heap upon yourselves. You pray only for your needs, your your." your material needs he said and not only that it also keeps you from asking at all you you don't have certain things because you're not even asking in the first place but then James gives the remedy for the situation and in verse number five it says this or do you not think that the scriptures say in vain the spirit of God dwells in us that dwells in us yearns jealously or God's spirit desires you but he gives even more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives what? Grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And then verse... 10 really sums it all up and he says humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up 
I said last week, the first thing you have to do, number one, you have to recognize the war within. You cannot win a fight you do not even know exists. You cannot win a battle you do not know is being waged. You have to recognize there is a battle for my life. There's a battle for my thought life. There's a battle for my actions. There's a battle for my behavior. There's a battle for my family. There's a battle for my finances. There's a battle for my future. It's a spiritual battle that's being waged. I can't necessarily see it with my natural eyes, but it is taking place. Where does it all come from? It comes from this spiritual battle that is taking place. When I was first, uh, one of my first jobs, I, I cleaned pools and I had a boss who, who would talk to me, you know, in training. I, I trained with him every day for two weeks and, and he would talk to me about, about spiritual things. He would try. He, he wasn't a church attender. He didn't really know much about spiritual things, but, you know, he knew what I was and I, I was talking to him and he knew I was into church and, and studying for the ministry. And so he said, well, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm living with my girlfriend, we're sleeping together, but he said that, you know, that's just my vice. He actually said that, say, that exact phrase, well, that's just my vice. In other words, he just resigned himself that he was going to sleep with his girlfriend and that was the way he was going to live and that was his vice. And I thought to myself, no, that's your sin, not your vice. I didn't tell him that because I, I wanted to continue working at that company, but I said, no, that's your sin. You're losing the battle. He didn't understand there's a battle that's being waged. There's a war that is taking place. But I said, last week, if number one, you have to recognize it, then this week, number two, I need to tell you, you have to determine to win the spiritual battle in your life. You can't just recognize it exists. You have to determine to win the spiritual battle for your life, and let me just say this very clearly, nothing sets you up for victory like fasting. I knew it'd get quiet, but nothing sets you up for victory against your flesh, against your members that are waging war in your life. Nothing sets you up for victory quite like fasting. Fasting is submitting yourself to God. Fasting is resisting the devil. Fasting is, is cleansing your hands. Fasting is drawing near to God. Fasting is purifying your heart. Fasting is lamenting and mourning and weeping. Fasting is humbling yourself. Why? To receive grace, to receive strength, so that God can lift you up. Amen? That's what fasting is. You say, what is fasting? Well, fasting is abstaining from food. Well, it's so much more than that. It is humbling yourself. James said, humble yourselves in the sight of God that he might lift you up. And nothing humbles you like fasting. Fasting is a weapon against the temptations that we face. Against the thought of our, our thought life. Sometimes those temptations just seem too great. Sometimes they just seem to be overwhelming. What do we do? The Bible says God makes a, a way of escape, and that way of escape is often found through fasting. It's just a weapon. Now, you can go in defenseless, or you could go in with a weapon. When I was living in North Florida, I was a youth pastor, and my wife and I had just got married, 
And we were just a couple of kids, man. And so we're out there in a small town with country folks, and they decide that they want to take the new youth pastor hunting. So they're going to go hunting. So they said, Pastor Brian, let's go hunting. First, they wanted to take me snipe hunting. I said, no, I've been snipe hunting. You only go snipe hunting once, and then after that, you take people snipe hunting. I said, no, I've been snipe hunting. They said, okay, Pastor, let's go hog hunting. We're going to go hunting for wild boar. I thought, fantastic. I was so excited to go hog hunting. They said, okay, we're going to go about 11 o'clock at night. We're going to go looking for some hogs. We're going to go hog hunting. I said, absolutely, I'll be there. Sinton, I'll be there. Just let me know what kind of gun you're going to give me. I couldn't wait. I didn't grow up with guns. I never really handled guns. So I couldn't wait for them to give me a gun. I don't know why. I just wanted a gun. They said, pastor, we don't use guns. And I looked at him. I went hunting with a guy named JR and another guy named Jimbo. Never go hunting with JRs and Jimbos. If they don't have a real name, don't go hunting with them. So I said, What do you mean you don't use guns? They said, We don't use guns. I said, Well, what do you use? They said, Dogs. I looked at him like, What are you talking about? How do you shoot a hog with a dog? I don't know how to do that. They said, we don't even shoot them. We catch them. I'm like, I was so confused. But I signed up for it. Now, they said, there's some things you need to know before you go. First of all, these hogs have little tusks on them, and those tusks are razor sharp. And if they catch you with one of them, they're going to cut you to ribbons. I said, okay, Now what? Okay, that's fine, but what happens? They said, don't worry, they can't jump. Just find the nearest tree and straddle it, and you'll be safe. I'm like, can I practice? Can I practice that before we go out there? No gun. I'm out there hog hunting, and these things have tusks that are razor sharp. They said, no problem. We got four or five dogs. We're going to let them loose. And we're just going to run, and when we hear the dogs begin to bay, when we hear them begin to howl, when we hear them begin to bark, then all of a sudden we're just going to run towards the dogs. And so we got out there, they let the dogs loose, the dogs just take off, they just took off. And so we're running through the woods, 11 o'clock at night, me and my brand new wife, she's thinking to myself, who in the world did I marry? Is it too late to get this marriage annulled? Is there a way out of this thing? How can I get out of this, you know? And so we're out there hogging, no gun, no weapon, no knife, no nothing. And I thought, that's how many Christians live their lives. They've got nothing. They're out there trying to resist temptation and trying to overcome and trying to get victory. But they find themselves without any weapons, spiritually bankrupt, spiritually empty, spiritually defenseless. And they're going, I just wonder why I can't seem to get ahead. I just wonder, can I get the victory? Why do I keep giving? Why am I so depressed? Why am I so, uh, you know, just angry all the time? Listen, it's because you don't have a weapon. Fasting is a weapon. It is something that God gives you to keep you from being defenseless against your own flesh. Fasting does this. It feeds your spirit by refusing to feed your body. It feeds your spirit 
by refusing to feed your body. Here's what we are. We are spirit, soul, and body. Does everybody kind of agree with that? You've heard that before perhaps. Spirit, soul, your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then you have your spirit man, and your body is your flesh. And so, so we're spirit, soul, and body. What fasting does, fasting feeds your spirit. And what it actually does is because if we just continue to feed our body and feed our mind and feed our will and our emotions and we refuse to feed our spirit, we refuse to spend the proper amount of time in God's word and in our devotions and prayer, we get lopsided. We get totally out of alignment. We're led by our emotions. We're led by temptations. We, we give in constantly. We're led by our, our, our natural cravings. And so we're completely out of alignment. And what fasting does, it brings us back into proper alignment. Do you see what I'm saying? Because it feeds our spirit and denies our flesh, our body. It denies our mind and our will and our emotions from controlling our life. It brings us back into proper alignment. We need that in our life. That's why we start off every year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. What it really does is it kind of cleans the slate. It, it, just, it just begins to wipe things clean in your life. How many of you today, you would admit that there's just a little bit of OCD in you? You just have this something, you just have OCD. Come on, I know you're out there. I have it. For some reason, it's in my closet. My shirts have to face the same direction. They just have to. I don't know what it is. They have to sit on a hanger, and the collar and the buttons have to face towards the door. If I find a shirt that is not facing the door, I know that Cynthia has hung that thing and not me. And I'll say to her for the last 20 years of my life, why are you hanging my shirts the wrong direction? It's just OCD. I'm not, I'm not about that with everything. It's just that one thing. Well, when I was growing up, there was another thing that just drove me crazy. Do you remember chalkboards? Anybody remember chalkboards? Do you know how when they'd write on a chalkboard and then they'd erase it, but they really didn't erase all of it? There was still some residue left over. In fact, you could actually still see some of the letters, and then they would write over that. That would drive me bananas. I thought, you didn't erase it properly. What are you doing? You need to erase that better. I could still see the, the letters from the last thing you wrote. I mean, and it just drove me crazy as a kid. And so every now and then, the teacher would just volunteer or ask somebody to volunteer to clean the chalkboard. That was me, buddy. You needed some help clean the chalkboard? And what she would do is she would get a, a, a pail with some water. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And you get that water and you get the rag and then you properly clean the chalkboard. You get into the corners and you get every piece of chalk so that that thing looks brand new when you're done with it. No residue. And fasting gets rid of the residue. It cleans the slate, man. It, it makes all of those things in your life that, that still affect you, that still kind of, kind of gets you, that, that thing that still pulls you away from God. It still has an effect on your life. It's still some of that old thinking. It's still some of that old anger. It's still some of that old depression. And you've tried to just kind of erase it a little bit, but you know what? It's still there. 
Fasting totally cleans the slate. Just wipes it clean. Says, hey, fresh start. Turn over to Matthew chapter 17 and you're going to see something this morning that God, this is amazing, this story God showed me and I just thought, this is it, God. This is what we're going to do this year as we start 21 days of prayer and fasting next week. Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 14 tells the story of a father bringing a young boy to the disciples to get a demon cast out. And it says this, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it was, came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Listen to this. A man brings his demon-possessed son, who is suffering from epileptic seizures, brings him to the disciples. The disciples couldn't do anything. They couldn't heal the boy. And so this man brings them to Jesus, tells Jesus just a little bit about what happened, and listen to what Jesus says. Pastor Jesus turns to his most committed members and says to them, you are faithless and you are perverse. Pastor Jesus says to his most committed disciples, you are faithless and you are perverse. He uses two words. First of all, you're faithless. You're you're unbelieving. For some reason, you've stopped believing. For some reason, you've stopped believing for big things. For some reason, there's a lack of faith in your life. For some reason, you no longer look to me to be the answer. For some reason, you no longer depend on me. For some reason, you've lost your faith. You've allowed faith to leave your life. You're just going through the motions. For some reason, you're not living a life on the edge anymore. You are faithless. You're living a life that's so dependent upon you that you are the one who comes through for you. You don't lean on me. You don't look to me. You don't depend on me anymore. You're faithless. And you're perverse. You're worldly. You're you're worldly. You've allowed worldly thinking. You've allowed worldly media. You've allowed worldly worldly entertainment to, to overtake your life. For some reason, you have become perverse in your thinking. You're faithless and you're perverse. And it's not long after that that they come to him. Look at verse number 19. They come to him later privately. They didn't dare ask him after being rebuked like that. They're, okay, we'll have a private conversation from here on out. Verse 19 says, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? 
Indeed, Jesus didn't just rebuke them. He didn't just chastise them. He also gave them the answer. Here's the remedy. Here's the reason why. Here's what you need to do. He says, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Verse 21, however, this kind does not go out except by what? Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. He said you are faithless and you are perverse. However, there's an answer. The answer to faithlessness is prayer. The answer to perversion is fasting. You're faithless and you're perverse, but guess what? There's an answer, there's a, there's a remedy. There is a cure for those ailments in your life. And the answer is prayer that plugs you back into God. It reconnects you with God. Listen, prayer feeds your faith. It allows your faith to grow. When you pray, you pray to God. When you pray the right way correctly, listen, your faith begins to expand. You begin to say to yourself, no, I believe this can happen. I believe I can do it. I don't have to depend on myself. I don't have to depend on others. I can depend on a God who's never failed me. He's never let me down. Amen? That's prayer. Prayer is reconnecting to God. It feeds your faith. But then here's what fasting does. Fasting disconnects you from the world. It disconnects you from the garbage. It disconnects you from from all of that. Listen, and we all get bombarded with that. My wife and I, we, we found ourselves in the unusual situation the other day. We had no children at the house. Woo, glory to God. And we said, let's rent a movie. And we're too lazy, I was too lazy, I should say, to go to the red box. So I thought, okay, let's just check, see what's on Comcast. And, and so we found a movie, and we decided we're going to rent the movie. And 20 minutes into the movie, we shut that movie off. We couldn't believe how foul it was. It was PG-13. We thought, hey, this is, this is going to be a funny comedy. And we're watching it, 20 minutes later, we look at each other, and I, she didn't have to say anything. I just shut it off and went, yeah, what happened? I said, we both felt like we needed baths. We, with the perversity, we thought, what in the world? It was one of those rare moments. Normally, we check kids in mind, but we didn't check anything. We just thought, oh, this will be funny. This will be a nice comedy. We'll laugh. We'll enjoy each other's company. We've got no kids. Praise the Lord. Let's just enjoy a movie. And then we were just bombarded by perversion. And it's our fault. We allowed it to happen. We open the door for it to happen. But what happens is that perversion just kind of gets in and it becomes sticky. It just sticks to you. And thoughts come and, and, and all of a sudden things happen. That perversion just begins to warp your life and fasting disconnects you from that. It pulls the plug on the world and it, it reconnects you to God. And you need both. You need that prayer and that fasting because that's exactly what it does. You disconnect from food. You disconnect from media. You disconnect from Facebook. You disconnect from the routine. You shake up your life. And listen to me, you need this in your life right now. Do you hear me? 
You need it in your life right now. Not because of the sweets and the pie and the Lord knows. We, we were bombarded with sweets. Next year, I'm making an announcement. No more sweets. Please help us. I know you love your pastor, but please help us. And they were so good. I mean, we ate them, so somehow, you know, it got, you know, mission accomplished. We ate it all, but, but listen, it's not about that. It's not just trying to lose a few pounds. You need this in your life because spiritually you need it. Now listen, you'll see in books, you'll see on websites, you'll see in, in things that even we're going to pass out. Next week, we're going to set up what we call a fasting center. We do this every year. We give out information on fasting. We'll sell books about fasting. In fact, we're going to be giving away a 21-day devotional for everyone who shows up next Sunday evening. But, but beyond that, you'll see all sorts of reasons why you should fast. But I'm here to tell you that there is just one reason to fast. To deny yourself. You deny yourself. You say, well, what about the prayers and what about the needs? Well, listen, when you deny yourself, you set yourself up for blessings. You set yourself up for answered prayer. You set yourself up for physical healing. You set yourself up for spiritual breakthrough. But it has to start by denying yourself. You deny yourself. We sang that song that actually it was Steve that wrote that song. Less of me. That's the key. Less of me, more of you. You deny yourself the food. You deny yourself the entertainment. You deny yourself. You totally disconnect from all that. And you say, God, through prayer, I'm going to reconnect with you. Through fasting, I'm disconnecting through that. Through prayer, I'm reconnecting with you. So that I can deny myself. Listen, if a doctor said to you, you've got, you've got high cholesterol, if he said to you, you've got diabetes, if he said to you, you've got some sort of conditioning, that nutrition would change, your diet would change. Listen, if you wanted to live a full life, you would listen to the doctor, you would make the changes. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you want to live a full spiritual life, if you want the fullness of the Holy Spirit, if you want the fullness of what God has to offer, if you want to be right in the middle of His plan and God's purpose for your life, if you want power when you pray, if you want answers when you pray, then this is the prescription that you have to fill. It's prayer and it's fasting. Hallelujah. Listen what fasting is. It is an interruption of the ordinary. Listen, and unless you have a physical reason why you can't fast food, and, and I understand that there are certain limitations, there are certain things going on in people's bodies where you can't fast food. I get that. You have to fast maybe certain types of food. You have to go on a Daniel fast, and we'll give out information on, on all of that. But unless that is necessary, fasting involves the abstaining of food. You push away from it so that you can go spend time with God so that you can overcome, so that you can say no. Because listen, if you could say no to food, I'm just convinced you could say no to anything. You say, Pastor, I don't believe you. Try it. Just fast a day. Just go a whole day. There's nothing like letting the sun go down and you haven't eaten anything that day. And then try it for two days, and then three days, and then keep going as long as God says you're to keep going. 
It is denying yourself. It is interrupting your life. For a season, listen, we didn't get fast every day of our life. We can't fast every moment of our life. But we could take these seasons and we could say, God, I need this in my life right now. I desperately need this in my life right now. I have been making all of my own decisions. I have been the Lord of my life. And I need to disconnect from the world and I need to reconnect with you. And you have to prepare yourself physically even. People, people fast different ways. I want to give you just a couple quick tips uh, for you to get ready because we have just seven days, just seven days to the start of our fast. Not everybody could start and stop the same way. I, I tend to stop my fast at the South Florida Fair. I don't know why, that's just the way I like to do it. I like to end a fast with Italian sausage and peppers and onions and then go get a gyro and then get a funnel cake and buy the biggest bag of kettle corn I could buy. That's just how I like to do mine. That's just the way I end fast. Now, not everybody could do that. I have a cast iron stomach. Somehow I've been able to get away with it, but that's how I do it. I don't suggest that. And some people can just start cold turkey. They can just start a fast. But for most people, you have to prepare yourself physically to fast. Which means this. Let me just give you a couple of things. Starting tomorrow, you begin to cut back on the following. Sugar and sweets. I know I lost some of you right there. You cut back on carbs. You cut back on red meat. And you cut back on caffeine. You cut back on all of that starting tomorrow. You just cut back. Doesn't mean you stop completely. You just cut back. You just cut back. I'm going to cut back. And as it gets closer to Sunday, as it gets closer to January 10th, you begin to remove all of those things as necessary. You start to eat more fruits, more leafy greens. You drink plenty of water. You just waterlog yourself. You can't get enough water. Drink some fruit juices, not the acidic ones like orange and grapefruit, not the citrus juices, but drink some other types of fruit juices. If you're the cook in the family, my prayers are with you. But beyond that, think about that. If you're the cook in the family, okay, what do I do? If I'm the cook in the family, I've got to start preparing meals ahead of time. I got to tell the family, I'm the cook in my family, and then here's what I do. I just say, good luck, fend for yourself. That's just what I do. It works for me. You know, the kids don't like it. The wife doesn't like it. But I just tell them, I'll be out of the kitchen for a while. Good luck. Find yourself some bread and and go for it. I mean, that's just what I tell them. But prepare ahead of time. Number two, spiritually begin to prepare yourself. Decide ahead of time, this is how I'm going to fast. Now, let me just give you our schedule real quick. We're meeting for 21 days. Or I should say it's a 21-day fast starting on January 10th next week. And Sunday through Thursday, we meet every night from 7 to 8 p.m. Sunday through Thursday, we're going to stop right at 8 p.m., right about 8 p.m. We've been pretty good all throughout our years of stopping right on time. I know you guys have school, you have work. So Sunday through Thursday, we're very respectful of your time. We're going to end right at 8 o'clock. If you even need to leave sooner than that, then you just leave. You just leave whenever you need to leave. Well, we're going to end at 8 o'clock. Fridays, I've invited some guest speakers to come over to pray, to believe God. We're starting at 7, and we're just ending whenever. Whenever we end, we end. If you're the last person here, I've said we're going to give you the alarm code. We're going to show you how to lock up, 
and just make sure you lock all the doors and, and, and find your way out. And so we're just going to stay here. If we stay here an hour, if we stay here an hour and a half, we stay two hours, we stay longer than that, we're just going to stay, and you could stay as long as you want. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God on Fridays. That's every Friday. Then Saturday, we take the day off just to rest, just to recoup a little bit physically, not spiritually. Physically, we're resting. And then we start back again on Sunday. But I want to encourage you that you can do this. You can do this. You can fast. Not only can you do it, listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. You need to do this. I desperately need this in my life. I always look forward to our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I try to go every night. You say, you have to, you're the pastor. No, I've missed some nights, but I try to go every night. You say, pastor, well, I'm a little busy. Listen, I know what busy looks like, especially at night. We've got kids playing volleyball. We've got kids playing, not volleyball, but soccer. We've got kids playing basketball. We've got homework. We've got food. We've got Elias. That's all you need to know right there. We have got it all. I know what busy looks like. But here's what we do. We interrupt and we change our whole schedule for 21 days. Now, the kids still have their basketball and they still have their soccer. And so we, we still do that because they've committed to those teams. But, but we interrupt the rest of our schedule to get here to pray and to fast. And spiritually, you need to prepare yourself. Ask yourself this. How many days can I go? Can I go twice a week? Can I go three times a week? We've had people in the church go every day. Every day, not miss. And then I want to encourage you, go find a great book. Go buy a great book to complement your time in the Word of God. Not to replace it, just to complement. I always, during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, I always find a great book. I always go buy a great book. And I just curl up with that book and I go, yes, this is, I, could, I can't wait to read it. I've already got mine picked out. It's already, it's already on the iPad. It's ready to go. I'm ready to read it. In fact, I started. I cheated. I started a little early and I stopped. I said, no, no, no. Wait, Brian, wait. So find something. Spiritually prepare yourself. Physically prepare yourself. I'm going to ask Mark to come. And would you do this this morning? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Man, I'm so excited about our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm excited for what it's going to do in me. I desperately need this this year. I need to disconnect. Disconnect. Just just let some things go. Remove myself from some things. And, and I need to reconnect with God. You say, Pastor, you're not connected? No, I'm connected. I just want to be more connected. And that's through prayer. Wednesday through Friday morning, we're going to be here 6 to 7 a.m. to start our day with an hour of prayer. And you stay as long as you need to stay. Stay as long as you want to stay from 6 to 7. If you need to leave a few minutes early to get to work, you can do that just a time of private prayer. You just come into this room and you find a place to pray. It's through prayer and fasting that we overcome faithlessness and perversion.
We disconnect from the world. We reconnect. We plug into God. And we say, God, forgive us for the things that we've either done, for the thoughts that we have entertained, meditated on. Forgive us, God, for laziness and complacency and apathy. Forgive us, God, for letting our relationship with you falter, become weak. Forgive me, God, for not allowing you to be the number one priority in my life. God, I need you so desperately in my life. I need you, God. I need this time. I need this 21 days. I need to draw near to you. And in your word, we just read it this morning, when I do that, God, your promise is you will draw near to us. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for each and every person that you brought into this place. Boy, I just sense the Holy Spirit dealing with some hearts. I just sense the Holy Spirit speaking. The voice of the Holy Spirit speaking so clearly to you. It's like He is singling you out today. I'm telling you by the Holy Spirit, it's as if there is a spotlight on you. Some of you, you can feel it. You can sense it. It's like you're just being shined down on with a spotlight because the Holy Spirit is saying, this is all about you today. He's talking to you today. You need to disconnect. You need to reconnect. Hallelujah. We're going to give you that opportunity. And you start... Today, tomorrow, preparing yourself for what God's going to do in your life during these 21 days. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for every person, every person in this place. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray for them today. Father, may they take very seriously these 21 days. May it be the springboard for their year. May it be the catalyst for their year. May it set them up for what you're going to do in their life this year. That this year can't look like last year or the year before. That God, you need, we need breakthrough. We need something different. We need something to happen. We need direction. We need answers. We need less of us. We need more of you, God. Desperately today. Jesus' name. Would you, one more time with me this morning, put your hand over your heart. Just make that commitment right now. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I know that God is dealing with some of you directly, directly this morning about these 21 days. And you begin to listen, 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 listen right now to the voice of the Holy Spirit as He's talking to you. You just let Him speak to your heart time to clean out the junk. It's time to clean the slate. It's time to get rid of the residue.
And once again, enable yourself. Allow the weapon of fasting to come back into your life. 